0: Welcome to episode number 75 of the From the Heart Podcast, presented by our new title sponsor, the First Bank Center for Family-Owned Businesses. I'm actually sitting live today here in the studio in Missouri, where First Bank is located. And today we spoke with the chairman of First Bank, Michael Deerberg. Michael's been the chairman of the board of the bank now since 2016. He's fourth generation leader of the family business, 112-year-old family business, by the way. And in our conversation today, we got into a lot of discussion about his background working in the government, working outside of the family business, his legal background, and now what he loves most about leading a family-owned company that's four generations old. Uh, we hope that you enjoy our conversation with Michael Deerberg. You're going to hear about his leadership style, about his dad, Jim, and just some of the lessons that he's learned throughout his time here at First Bank. Uh, if you have questions about how to reach First Bank and to learn more about how we can help your family business, you can just simply go to first.bank forward slash family business and see the resources and contacts that we have there for you. So we hope you enjoy this conversation with Michael Deerberg on the From the Heart podcast. So just to get things started today, Michael, we appreciate you being here today on the From the Heart podcast. Um, you've been the chairman of the board now for First Bank since about 2016, if I understand mm-hmm. correctly. Tell me some of your earliest memories of being involved in the bank, fourth generation family business. You obviously grew up in and around it. Early memories that uh, maybe inspired you or just made you realize, wow, this is what I wanna do. So my earliest memories were my dad talking about uh, business, what was going on at First Bank at the time, uh, come home from dinner, uh, a lot of conversation and uh, we revolve around what happened in the office, what you know, things he was working on, those sorts of things. Uh, then I w- when I was like 15, I Had my first job at First Bank. Uh, it wasn't very glamorous, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, as many first jobs aren't. Um, so I was uh, worked in the mailroom for a little bit. Had some sort of rotation. Uh, part of what I did for that summer was count checks. Uh, and to be honest, this is one of these jobs where I'm glad that this job has gone away. Yeah. And the idea was that basically when you when we sent back the checks to uh, to our clients, uh, you want to make sure they have the right number of checks. And so for every statement that went out, I was part of the team that was counting up these checks. Uh so you know, good experience. And I think um I later summers worked as a teller, in you know, a variety of things, I did vocations with different departments, marketing, et cetera. Some point in time, I, I trailed my dad, you know, went with him. Uh I mean sometimes you find that I think that when you're trailing somebody, just watching them do something, it's not as interesting as actually doing it yourself. Sure. Uh, And so for our our kids, we try to do both. One, do things where we're teaching them, talking to them about the business, but also trying to engage them, uh, you know, in in an active way. What did you learn about leadership in watching your dad? Um, Obviously, today you still learn from him, I'm sure. But what did you learn at that early age about watching him lead and run this bank that has stuck with you the most? Um, He's not one who likes to talk about the way you should do it. He more does it and does it than you learn by watching him do it or or you know him leading by example. Uh, so I think one example is integrity. I mean, he demonstrates integrity in everything he does. It's never a question. He doesn't he doesn't brag or talk about it or teach integrity. He just does. It. He is. Yeah, um, he's an incredibly sharp thinker. Um, asks really good questions, um, and so I think that's something I definitely noticed early on watching him interact is the questions he asks uh-huh. um and for example you know you ask someone why are they doing it this way and they say well if that's the way we've done yeah. it like we all know that's not a good answer yeah, exactly. but my, yeah. my dad was very good at, at sussing that out um so but i think you you'd asked before about you know sort of when did i know yeah uh, something i want to do and and the answer for me it was a uh i had a meandering i don't know not a direct line uh, into the business. So I've had various points of time, like you mentioned, the summer jobs. Uh, then I went to, um, actually between college and law school, I taught English. Okay. So it, I mean, great skill. It was a lot of fun. I taught English in Poland and in Argentina. so Amazing experiences, wow. uh, not banking. You know, yeah. Right. Uh, then I went to law school, uh, all the way up until about midway through law school, I thought I was going to go into politics. Hmm. Yep. So somewhere along the line, I wised up and realized, <laughs> <it was, laughs> One, not for me, tough life. I mean, there's a lot of things about it that just weren't weren't right things for me. Sure. Um, so uh in law school I decided, well I probably ought to be a lawyer for a little bit. This makes some sense Yeah. gone to kind law school. Invested the time and the money into law school, might as well, right? Right, right. Um I mean my, my dad, he advocated going to law school uh for business purposes. Uh so he thought it was a great idea, yeah. regardless. And maybe he knew that was eventually gonna wise up about sure about politics, but um, so he, my dad went to law school, never practiced, uh, but found a lot of value in that. He uh, went to law school, uh, then practiced as an attorney for the OCC, a federal bank regulatory agency for a couple of years. Um, so that was great experience seeing it from the regulatory side. And I was doing that in Washington, DC and then doing that for three years. And then I thought of, well, you know, I'll make the, the plunge. Maybe I should make the plunge in the bank. Uh, I was single and, you know, sort of question whether it's from to St. Louis or San Francisco, it seemed like more single people in San Francisco at the mm-hmm. time, yeah. uh, so I ended up going to uh, the San Francisco and worked there for a couple of years. Worked out well in the sense I met my wife there, oh, um, had a great time in San Francisco, I was general counsel uh, for a period of time, uh, a regional manager for a period of time, great experience, great time there, uh, but for me it was, you know, it was I think back in that time, the bank from the 19, well, probably from the Great Depression uh, all the way to, this is like, let's say, uh, it was in San Francisco, 2001 to 2004. And during that time period, the bank had done incredibly well throughout that entire period and never had an annual loss, uh, you know, going up to the Great Recession. Um, and so, you know, and our earnings would fluctuate just really in a small degree, even through recessions, that kind of thing. So, it might seem strange to people um, outside um, the family, by family business, or outside my situation, but it seemed like to me I wasn't feeling the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left the bank, went back to practice law for the Department of Justice, uh, looking for you know challenge, and I, I missed litigation yeah. at that time. So worked for the Department of Justice for six years. Um, that was from uh, 04 to 2010. Uh, during that time period, I realized the challenge, (laughs) Yeah, the challenge became apparent because, you know, we, we, you know, that was a rough period for, for Spank. And I I really realized, um, you know, during that time period, the role that family can play and the importance of having family in the business. But during that time period, um, my dad had stepped down as CEO. He was chairman during that time period. Uh, but then we had nobody in the family, you know, um, there you know, wasn't a lot of family presence in the business, um, and just to see have that connection to what's going on, the credit and the credit side and other ways. So um, so I came back to St. Louis, actually, with the idea of I was going to um, uh, work at a law firm. So I did actually came here, uh, worked, yeah. worked as a partner for a month at the <laughs> law firm, uh, and I quickly realized to have a connection, because I wanted to work at the law firm and be really connected to the bank. But trying to juggle those two things, trying to work at a law firm, uh, have a, you know, legit legal practice, yeah. doing the things that you're supposed to do as a partner. Um, and then also being as connected as I want to be the bank, uh, it became very clear quickly that that wasn't going to be an ideal situation. Also, the bank at the time was still, you know, uh, working through some issues. So I, I joined the bank, uh, in 2010, rejoined the bank. And at that time, I would say I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, I didn't know that I was gonna love it as much as I do. Yeah. Uh so it wasn't really until 2010 that I knew this is what I'm gonna do. Uh when I in you know, in the past when I asked my dad, like, you know, did you ever struggle with is this the right thing for you? He he said something like every day yeah. <laughs> during yeah. his career, during you know, like every day he didn't know if like what was he gonna come back the next day, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But he, he recommit loved it. every day basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but for me, I'd say like since 2010, I mean, it's been clear. I, I have no intention of going anywhere, uh, love being here, love being part of the team, um, and I don't miss litigation at all. Uh, so I tell people I'm a recovering attorney, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to unlearn some of the things that I've learned as an yeah. attorney. Um, so uh, anyways, that's, that's, you know, kind of this sure. meandering path. I do think that from a family business standpoint, um, you know, a lot of. A lot of family businesses have a thought of, you know, you should work somewhere else first. Right. That's common. Right. Uh, so I probably, I may have overdone that or I didn't, you know, the number of years I had outside of family business, but I do think it's important uh, to do that. And I do think I have a different perspective having worked elsewhere. Um, you know, and I think some of the issues sometimes families face with entitlement and that kind of stuff. And sure. hopefully that's not, you know, something yeah. that I demonstrate uh, or reflect in how I act but I certainly appreciate, um, I certainly not appreciate the challenge. I appreciate the role of the family in the business, uh, and, and I love being part of it. So you have some unique experience. A lot of people who listen to this podcast or watch have only worked in a family business or have never worked in a family business, so they don't understand the other side. You have that unique experience. And like you said, a lot of family businesses do almost require their children to come up and get that outside experience. Can you talk to our audience a little bit about your observations of the difference in working for a traditional organization versus working for a family business and really kind of the main things that stand out to you? So I actually, I have a pretty unique situation in that I don't really have a uh, significant outside private company experience. So what I have is government experience. <laughs> yeah, that's one a lot of people don't have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, then, and then family, being part of family business. So... Uh, So it is unique. I've taught English for a while, but it's, you know, really kind of different. So uh, for me, um, I mean, one, I think having worked elsewhere, been responsible, uh, you know, uh, working for the Department of Justice and the SEC, I mean, you are responsible for yourself and your own performance and that kind of stuff, which is really nice, uh, important to have as a family member who eventually becomes part of a family business. But uh, what I found interesting since we joined the bank is that sometimes People who come from who are not family members, but you know, uh, have worked in large uh, publicly traded companies, they really educate me on how it's different. Yeah. Uh, and they they bring to the table you know this appreciation for uh, for working at First Bank that you know, frankly, for me, it's it's harder to see. I mean, these things like you know, sort of the quarter to quarter uh you know focus as opposed to really a long-term focus. Sure. That's that's what it is, what I know. Yeah. Is having that long term uh focus. Um so but it's it's nice to see and nice to hear when we have leaders that come from larger companies and their experience here is just very different. Uh and I think at some we as a company, uh that's you know part of our I think uh what what's gonna make us succeed going forward, uh, what makes us succeed now is this uh great environment we have as a family business but but honestly for me it's i don't hear this as much from other people because it's, for me it's government um you know uh, you know family and business right. is a is a sort of different uh, contrast what type of surprises would you say you've had from what you thought the job was going to be as chairman when you came in in 2016 to what it's actually been in the last six years anything really surprise you that maybe dad didn't prepare you for, or you didn't think, or the outside experiences didn't prepare you for that? No, I think that's the one would be that, um, that I love it as much as I do. and I mean, yeah. frankly, that's the, the surprise. Um You know, like I didn't have this thought growing up like that. I really absolutely wanted to thank Um But I have, I mean, I don't know, like it's hard to say it's a surprise, but we have, you know, like evolved our strategy as a company during that time period, and that's been really awesome to be a part of. Uh, so coming out of the Great Recession, you know, first the period of you know rebuilding and strengthening the company, but then there's really there was a period of us taking a step back, thinking about where we want to be in the future. Um, you know, our mission, vision, values. We had really engaged in a meaningful process around that uh, in the past. I and mean, some of these things like you go back to the time period when my dad was CEO. And all that was in his head yeah exactly right but it wasn't something yeah. that you put out on paper and it wasn't, it wasn't also something that you involve the team so uh, when we went to that process 2013 uh, we started on that process uh we involved a big uh, you know swath of the company uh, as a part of that process and including the vision mission and values yeah. and that was really awesome to, to do it that way and our ceo at the time um a non payment like CEO, um, I and mean, he he had the perspective that he should step back from that, and and frankly, that I should too. And I, I really like that—that yeah. that, you know, rather than either being yeah. wordsmithing or like the organization, that there's a, something yeah. built from sure. the organization, uh, yeah. and I think it reinforces the values that the you know that are important to the family. But it wasn't like, yeah, just, we're, we're this family with you know, like. And if you're part of creating it, you're going to buy into it as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Have there been? I want to get into the conversation about the Center for Family-Owned Businesses and the why behind that and why now. But before I do that, I'd love to hear you talk about other leaders that maybe have inspired you, whether they're famous or somebody you know or is your dad. Obviously, you've thought, you've touched on your dad and dive deeper there if you'd like to. But what is it about the leaders that have inspired you and what what do you? I guess how do you term How would you define a great leader based on what you've learned and the type of leader you're trying to be here at first time Mm -hmm. um so i think that the the key thing from an organizational standpoint is to have a mix of of skill sets Mm -hmm. and sort of the the money ball think about from the money ball or the book or the movie that kind of thing you know you can't we can't have a team of people that are all great in the same way yeah you don't need nine shortstops right Mm -hmm. right so i think that's really important from an organizational standpoint so skills that we need as leaders in the company it's nice to have a compliment everyone's gonna be a little bit different and bring something to the table um, and to be able to one assemble a team that has all that together and also i think too you can somebody has everybody has something to give right uh, and something that they do really well and something you can learn from um, and i think from our entire employee base i'm inspired by uh, the way that they act, the way that they they work, the way they give back to community. Uh, I mean, a lot of the folks that are the ones who are most giving of their time um, outside the company to community are also the ones who are actually doing the best from a sales or performance yeah. standpoint from the company. Uh, and that that you know that inspired me. And you know, like with our CEOs, I mean, I got, there's a lot that I've learned just working with them. Yeah. Um, you know from Terry McCarthy our CEO during the downturn the way he pulled us through on the, the integrity he demonstrated so we working with our regulators always up front uh, about where we stood uh, with our employees always up front and then setting really clear goals you know here's where we need to be like let's not yeah. worry about 5 years down the road yeah. from one a step at a time one step at a time we got we got long term plans but let's let's you know get the milestones we need to hit uh, Tim Lave, uh, next CEO brought so many great things to the table. Uh, his way of bringing people together, uh, and he was the one who, who really pushed for this process of integrating everybody, uh, within the company or, you know, a big chunk of, of folks within the company as a part of our strategic planning process. Um, shall I see Seaford, our CEO now, amazing leader. Uh, I think she brings a ton of things. One of the things she does bring is an outward mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's always asking what can she do to help yeah. you know she's the ceo so very servant leadership type of a style i've noticed with. exactly yeah. yeah yeah so i, I think there's you yeah. know that's part of the part of our task should be to try to learn from others and everybody because that you can as much to give as people as much to give so first bank as we alluded to earlier is 112 year old family-owned business your fourth generation You've launched recently and our our presenting title sponsor now for the From the Heart podcast is the First Bank Center for Family-Owned Businesses. And I'm grateful to be a part of this, just so you know. So thank you officially here for the world to see. Tell me why now, why the Center for Family-Owned Businesses? What was the impetus behind it? Maybe the first initial conversations of doing this and then the launch. I'd just love to hear the why. So I think um, the origin of this, I think it probably came from different directions. So part of it is uh, from my own perspective, uh, I have the, the perspective and the, I guess the history of, you know, as a member in a family business, um, our family, um, we had, uh, you know, we had attorneys and people to help with estate planning, those sorts of things. My dad went to law school, so he was on top of that at a very early age. So, so he could, you know, we could check that box, the estate planning, the legal side of succession planning, transitions, those sorts of things, and he did a great job with it. Um, but when I was, let's say, in my late teens, early twenties, I was also interested in what is, how does this play out with the family mm-hmm. from a personal side, um, not just the tax and you know estate planning side of it, and looking around for resources of uh, who could help us to understand how does this play out. I'm fourth generation, so fifth generation, sixth generation. You know, in in my case, well, in our our case, first bank's case, you know, although I'm fourth generation, we're effectively second generation because my dad bought out relatives Mm -hmm. on the banking side. Um, so it's essentially shared by, you know, uh, three siblings and the kids. So for us, it's a little simpler, but Mm -hmm. eventually gets more complicated. Sure. But there wasn't a lot of resources. You couldn't find resources back then. Maybe, I know. Yes, to some extent it's possible we just didn't. Are good at at, at searching for resources, you know. Uh, And it wasn't something my dad amazing in so many different ways. wasn't something he had put a lot of thought into or he was trying to, you know, look for these answers. Uh, So I have to ask any questions, nothing will find the answer. Uh, And then when coming back to St. Louis, I found that it's still, uh, it was hard. Um, There's not a lot of great books. There weren't Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of great books uh, on family-owned businesses uh, not a lot of great resources. I think that's starting to change. Sure. This is great. I mean, so, you know, we got one getting connected to you, uh, and there's, you know, other resources we've found, but, um, the other experience is from, for us as a bank talking to our clients, we ask, well, who do you go to to talk to about these sorts of things? Right. And a lot of times it's, I talk to my attorney, mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, the same old, same old answers. Yeah. And then I think yeah. to some extent if you're talking to your attorney about it, your attorney just went to law school to learn like your your state planning attorney probably went to you know they learned how to minimize your taxes. And that's a big part of it. But how this plays out with the family, uh those sorts of things, um, you know, conflict within the family, that's not their daily vector for Yeah. Right? So um where do you where do you turn? So but then meanwhile, as part of our strategic planning process. You know, I think we had gotten to the point of saying let's be explicit about the fact that we are a family-owned business. But prior to 2013, you know, a lot of our the frontline sales folks were talking about it and talking about in the context that we're not for sale. But they didn't necessarily, you know, we weren't like a company calling it out that we are a family-owned business and cat- that, that caters to family-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> as a part of that, I think we realized one, if there is a need out there uh that we as we had experienced it as a need uh our clients were experiencing as a need and basically they don't necessarily know where to turn there are places now there are more places certainly way more places now than there were you know even 10 years ago sure um more resources but they don't necessarily know about it and so many of the many of our clients uh and many businesses They, they assume that the issue they're facing, like they're the only ones Mm -hmm. in the entire country. We have this. A lot of family businesses don't even realize that family business is a thing. They think dad started a company and I work there. They don't realize that 70% of the companies in the world are family owned. Right. Right. And then, um, I joined some different groups, you know, where, you know, for a circle of trust, you can talk about these sorts of things. And there's so much value that comes from that conversation and something that a book can't capture it necessarily, or at least I don't know if people you know there haven't been that many sure good books to cover this these sorts of things, but it's just a really great environment to cover that. So that's that's sort of the origin of identifying a need. Mm-hmm. Um you know this is something we you know we as at first bank, uh this is our sweet spot, uh, yeah catering to family owned businesses. And how can we help them? Mm-hmm. And so then that was the next thing was how do we build out the center uh, what do we, what are we gonna do at the center for family and businesses? How can we help our clients? What type of feedback are you getting early on from clients out here? Now that you've launched the center, I'm sure you're talking to clients regularly, what are they saying about the fact that you, we've launched the center now here? I think people are really excited. Yeah. I mean, I think they see the, uh, they see the potential, they see the value. Um, and of course it's across the board I and mean, there's some, there might be a generational thing too. Sometimes sure. I see like some, yeah you know, maybe not always the older generation, but sometimes it is where, you know, that's not some, they've been worried about making, making money, growing a business, yep. that kind of thing. We make widgets and we're going to continue to make widgets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it might be the next generation that says, let's, let's think about it from a family business standpoint. Uh, but I think overall it's been a really positive uh, reaction. I, I really do get sense when we have these sorts of conversations with other family businesses that, there is a real value, um, that we can help identify. It may not, it may not be a situation. Let's say it's a conflict. We're not at first bank. We're not going to mediate a family conflict. Right. Um, but we have, we know people who can help or we, we, we know we can, we can direct them to resources, uh, that might be able to help, whether it's like, you know, sort of consultant or whether it's just here, here's how to think about resolving and minimizing conflict the family business or the appropriate level? How much is too much? How much, you know, um, those, those sorts of questions. So I think we can be a connector to this information for the family businesses. And I do think that, that, um, there is a a lot of value when you get that feedback. When you look back at the end of your career and you look back at the center and let's just make this a bigger scope too, not just the center for family owned businesses, but the bank as a whole in your tenure and leading the bank, when you look back, X number of years when you're ready to retire and it moves to the next gen or wherever it goes, how will you know you've been successful? Uh, What will be that measure of success that you'd like to see the center accomplish and the bank accomplish, and even personally for yourself? Um, I think, so one would be uh, just growth in the company, growth among family-owned businesses. The the reach of the center would be a measure of that. It's kind of hard to measure the the impact on an individual family. Right. Right? Yeah. they can uh, tell you how things are going and thank you, but yeah, the, the actual, you know, right, right. And it's also, I think it's some, sometimes there might be an idea that we have. We want, we need to, we want to share, uh, or a question we ask and might prompt something within the family, but it may take more than one touch, uh, yeah. point for that family yeah. to really, you know, move it in a certain direction. But, you know, I think there's a, a tremendous opportunity, uh, in the country, uh, for, for first bank to serve, uh, family businesses. I don't know that yet we're going to go nationwide, <laughs> not, yeah. not this year. Right. Uh, we're in some big markets in like California. Sure. So if we grew, you know, if we had 10% of the market in California someday, that would be Massive. quite large. Yeah. Um, so we don't need uh, basically the nationwide coverage for, you know, half the market. Um, yeah. So I'd be, I'd be happy with 10% yeah. in some of these markets. Yeah. But you never know. Someday maybe uh, we will, you know, in a very specific, specific way or a specialized way, you know, go broader than just in the markets we're in today. So your, your passion for First Bank, for family businesses, and for what you get to do as the chairman of the board is very evident when you wake up in the morning and you have and you just, I know you love your job. We've talked. What is it about what you get to do on a daily basis that you just love the most that puts that smile on your face or warms your heart? So I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is working with a team, help grow the company. Uh, that's, that's really what excites me. Um, the, you know, what levers can we pull? What, what can we do as a company to help our clients, uh, help, uh, employees, the community to thrive? Uh, that, that really is exciting and to feed off the energy. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm chair role, uh, Seifer, Seaford, our CEO. So and an executive team than a broader team of leaders around the company. So just to be a part of that team, that, that, uh, that feels great. I love being a part yeah. of that. Uh, one of the things I also really love, and it's, it's not, I don't do it as frequently, I and mean, I meet with clients uh, often, but um, just to hear the story of some of our clients. You know, I think it, it sounds like a cliche to say that we support and, and you know, we support the family dream, mm-hmm. uh, or the, sorry, the American dream. Yeah, trying to get to Uh, you know, it sounds like a cliche about the American dream, but that really is what we do at the bank, and I believe it. Yeah. Um. And but it's not. It's it's to hear the story of a family business, uh, or it might be just a family, someone who you know really sacrificed a lot uh, to to build a company. Maybe had a uh, you know you know dependable job, could have stayed in that dependable job, and then took the leap to become an entrepreneur. That is, I mean, what an incredible leap! Uh, the risk they take, you know, putting a mortgage on their house, extra, you know, putting, yeah. taking some extra debt uh, to make all this happen, and then to see that grow—that is an incredible story. That's part of what makes America as successful as it is. Yeah. And so we we can play a, a big role in that. I think that's really exciting. And it's just, I, I love like like you know, like, I'm sure you are doing these sorts of interviews. Sure. Like me, just to hear those stories, it's yep. just really. Really incredible. I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some stories like this in other countries, but I do think we have a, a special, you know, a special opportunity here in the United States that there are a lot of these, um, a lot of these stories. And again, it may not be a business. It may just be an individual who worked hard, saved up a lot of money, provides a family. Maybe they didn't have a certain education and they provide for their children to have a just an education and, and, you know, the children can then take even a, a greater step you know, what they've done. One of my favorite things about working with family businesses for the last couple of decades has been able to go in to, at, to your point of seeing what makes people fascinated, whether they're a steel manufacturer or hospitality or whatever they do. Um, are there any stories in any, any company without naming names or anything at all that you, you could go back to that one point or just like, you had that aha moment of, well, wow, we're making a difference for these families or these family businesses. I know I'm putting you on the spot to think of something I didn't prepare you for, but that's all right. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think um, what, what I would say is recently what we've started to do is have one-on-one conversations with some of our clients, family business clients. And uh, I think some of the families are uh, reluctant To talk, it's it is Mm -hmm. kind of a very private conversation, right? Uh, But I think some of those conversations have been really valuable, and but only unfortunately in ways that I can't describe. (laughs) Right. That's part of the idea is like I don't, you know, they need to have the confidence that I'm not going to relay what they say, and that's also the part about when we, you know, in other contexts, and I think we're we're hoping to do this ourselves to create roundtable discussion groups where there is a circle of 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 trust. And you can talk about these things, and it's not going to appear in the newspaper, uh, you know, or be broadcast. But we as, uh, you know, as family members and different businesses we share experiences, and they might be very similar. And you can really see that benefit, but I can't describe it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So Yeah. And it's as unique, they say the snowflakes, if you look out the window, it all looks the same. You stick it under a microscope. I don't know whoever has done that. But if they do, they all look very different. I think family mm-hmm. businesses are that way as well. What's the fifth generation of the Jirber family look like down the road? Uh, well, it's, it's actually been kind of interesting because I mentioned about for me, like when I was when I was a teenager, it wasn't the first thing on my mind to be working at a Bank. I was thinking I was going to go into politics. Uh, some of the of the fifth generation is showing a lot of interest in business. Um, so my sister has five kids of a big uh, age range. Uh, I have two children, um, and, uh, we're doing what we can to, to educate them, not just, you know, if they don't want to be in, nobody's obligated to be in the bank. No, we're not going to force anybody or in whatever they want to do. We want to support their passion, yeah. right? And I think it's a, probably generally good advice for most family businesses. Uh, but we want to make sure that if they're even not involved, if they're a doctor, scientist, or whatever, that they have some knowledge about the bank, uh, and about business. So they can be, you know, well informed and good business owners, even if they're not necessarily active in the company. Uh, so we're doing that. We started a uh, an investment club with the nice. older kids. They they kind of went through that. My dad, um, who's an active bank stock uh, investor, not just First Bank, but other bank stocks. Uh, he's a great. Um, it's a great way to like connect my, you know. My dad, their grandfather, yeah, uh, and hear how he thinks about things, yeah. So it's hear his business mind work, um, and also be learning as it, as, mm-hmm. as we do this. So a lot of them have seemed interested, but our oldest one is, and you know, the two oldest are in college, yeah. So it's we got a long ways off, but they do sure. seem to have some interest in business. So we'll see. Excellent. So, what's the best way for our audience to learn more about the First Bank Center for Family-Owned Businesses? Go to www.first.bank forward slash family business. So, the the name of my podcast, as you know, is called From the Heart, last name being Heart. Just stayed up late one night to think of a name that seemed like a logical one. The reason I do these podcasts is it's great to be informative, it's great to hear what people are doing. And, you know, we can go to our LinkedIn profiles or the IMDb if you're an actor or what have you. Um, to learn more about what people do, I think what intrigues most people and definitely what intrigues me the most is why people do what they do. So if I were to ask you right now in this moment, uh, okay. July 13th, I think we're sitting at when we record this today. Um, Michael Duber, what's in your heart? I think it could be it's optimism. So I think there's a lot of things. I mean, just this set the background, I guess. I think there are a lot of things out there that might give you cause for concern. Um. Yeah. You know, economy, you know, I won't get <laughs> into politics, but I mean, there's a lot yeah. of things that might cause concern. But uh, for me, all, all through that, there's this strong thread of optimism. And the example, which maybe is gets into politics a little bit, but um, I mean, what's happened in Ukraine? Uh, I mean, what a horrible tragedy. But it's also really a source of optimism. I mean, that's the sort of way that so many countries people have rallied in support of Ukraine has really given me a lot of hope um, that, you know, we've, you know, times where I've worried about, you know, um, are people indifferent to what uh, things going on? Is there a blurring of the lines between right and wrong? And at least in this case, it seems like we've, we've, you know, there's some consensus around that. Um, I think another source of optimism for me is I guess, in, in the face of some challenges was during the pandemic. I mean, it, it looked, you know, you go back in time to March you know, 2020, it looked pretty bleak. Yeah. I mean, I started reading a book on the on the Spanish flu, and it was like, that's a thousand-page book or something like right. that. Like, I couldn't get through it. Yeah. It was like, oh, now is this, is this, the is this where we're at? going? Yeah. 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 Um, so, but our the team at First Bank was amazing. How we adapted from, we were all coming to the office five days a week and now we're all working remotely yeah. just the, the resiliency the flexibility and the dedication so then you know we had a pandemic and then uh ppp loans uh and so we were a big part of that and helping clients with ppp loans and it wasn't something like oh you know you show up at nine and leave at four and get all this, this stuff done with, you know <clears throat> that's, not, that's not our hours anyway but <laughs> exactly <laughs> but but, but in that time period, people were working through the night yep. uh, to get this done for our clients. And so the dedication they were showing in in some really tough circumstances and adapting to a new environment where they're not seeing each other you know face to face, that that gives a lot of hope. So you know, might be some things out there to worry about, but overriding all of that, I think is some optimism and real confidence and and people to pull through this. I appreciate that. I love that word optimism that's a, that's a great word. So, well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this journey with you. I'm excited to be a part of this going forward and to uh, help the, that vision of, of serving family businesses come to fruition and, and just uh, help realize the goals that, that you've set as an organization. So I'm thankful you for your time yeah, today. thanks, so. Ed. All right, Michael. Thank okay. you very much.